you are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Zolan, cue the music. It's a holiday. Here on On the Line, Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy NCAA Tournament Day to everyone out there. I am eating it up. It's on the television in the studio, and I'm watching Tennessee Longwood right now as Tennessee is up 8-7. to seven. That game on CBS under the 15-minute mark. Now, some other games going on in the NCAA Tournament. We'll keep you up to date with all that stuff going on throughout the show as we will have other games to start as the show continues to move forward. Richmond and Iowa, the next game that will have its tip at 2:10 on True TV, as well as three other games will begin before we get out of here today as we're with you from 2 to 4 p.m. on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama, as well as The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack following us from 4 to 6 p.m. They'll be taking your calls all show long, as well as I will be to call in 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. That will put you through to me here on the Thursday NCAA Tournament Edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins out going to call Lee Scott Baseball today, so it's just me in the studio today, and I want to talk to you about it. Anything on your mind in the sports world, whether it's basketball-related, whether it's Auburn-related, whatever is on your mind, we will talk to you about it. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Coming up at 2.30 p.m., we will have Lance Dolph, Locked On Kentucky, as well as Auburn Daily. He'll be with us on the show to talk a bit about the Auburn Tigers and their NCAA tournament beginnings in Greenville, South Carolina tomorrow. A little bit of plane trouble, but the Tigers are in the house in Greenville as well as Kentucky as they take on St. Peter's today. Honestly, I think this is one of the worst teams in the tournament, and Kentucky has probably the easiest pot of teams that they could be matched up with through the first two rounds compared to any other two seed in the bracket. They have a huge opportunity. Honestly, I think Kentucky may be the team that I am most confident about moving forward out of the SEC teams to survive the longest in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that I'm confident they will win the NCAA tournament. They are not one of my favorites, but talking about which teams I think could survive the longest, I think Kentucky's definitely in that area. We'll talk about that coming up in this segment, but I'm going to give everybody some score updates of what's been going on in the NCAA tournament today. Two games are already in the books. And fortunately, I didn't have these two teams move beyond where they would have advanced to, which is the round of 32. I didn't have any Sweet 16 teams fall yet, fortunately. And I didn't feel great confidence in either of these two picks. I could have seen it easily go the other way, but I did indeed predict South Dakota State and Colorado State would win. That did not happen. Providence, of course, this game got down to a three-point ball game with 30 seconds left, so the score is a bit deceiving, but it was Providence only up by three with 30 seconds left, and then what I would call a phantom foul on a three-point jump shot 
Providence made all three at the charity stripe, and that pretty much was all she wrote. Four seed Providence knocks off 13 seed South Dakota State. That was the last game to go final. Final score there, 66 to 57. South Dakota State made it a game in the second half, but just but just couldn't quite overcome the deficit that built up in the second half that did reach about 14 points at one point in that second half. Providence favored by two and a half in this game, so they cover. And then the first game to go final today, Colorado State blew a 28-13 lead in the first half where it looked like everything was going right for them and everything was going wrong for Michigan. Colorado State was up 36-29 to at the half as Michigan began that comeback, and then it was all Michigan in the second half. Going into the final three minutes, Michigan was 14-22, of on their second half field goal attempts, they outscore Colorado State in the second half 46-27 to to win 75-63 to over the Rams in advance to the second round of the NCAA tournament. The winner of this game will play the winner of Tennessee and Longwood, which once again right now Tennessee is up 14-10 to with 13-25 left in the first half on CBS, as well as the South Dakota State Providence matchup the winner of that game which was Providence advances to play the winner of Iowa and Richmond a 5-12 matchup that is slated to start at 2-10 on True TV a game that Iowa is favored by nine and a half points and we'll go up and down throughout the schedule today keeping you up to date with everything going on in the NCAA tournament specifically from an SEC standpoint How might some of these results affect Auburn and where they're at in their specific pod? We'll keep you up to date on everything going on. Some other scores in the NCAA tournament at the moment. 16-02 left in the second half. Memphis is up 40-27 on Boise State. That's the 9-8 game in the West region. Winner of that game will advance more than likely to play Gonzaga, who later on today, starting at 3-15 on TNT, 22.5-point favorites are the Zags over Georgia State in the 16-1 matchup. So that one coming up after the conclusion of that Memphis-Boise State game. Once again, you can find that one at 315 on TNT. It'll be a little bit before that one gets started. And then at halftime, Baylor playing without their starting point guard. No problem for them. They're up 43-27 to on Norfolk State in the 116 game on TBS in the East Region first round matchup. The winner of the Baylor game will advance to play the winner of the 9-8 matchup between Marquette and North Carolina. That game's slated to start right now. It may not Start at 3.30, but right now it is slated to start at 3.30 on TBS. North Carolina, three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Golden Eagles. And that is where we currently stand in March Madness today, right now, keeping everybody up to date with the scoreboard already as well as score updates in these games. Early on in the Tennessee-Longwood matchup, Longwood hanging tight with Tennessee, only a two-point game right now, and Tennessee looking to extend as well as every time Tennessee extends, Longwood comes back with an answer. Interesting matchup there as Longwood comes in as one of the better offensive teams in the lower seeds or one of the worst seed lines out there as a 14 seed. They can really shoot the three ball well. Fairly good inside the arc today. 
shooting 46% as a team from the field. Only one for four from three at this point. Tennessee shooting 60% through the early stages of that matchup. Currently, Longwood out-rebounding Tennessee 6-4, to four, which is a little bit of a shocker there. They've grabbed a couple of offensive rebounds. I expected Tennessee to dominate this one in the paint, and obviously it's still early. It's something that's holding true in this game up to this point is Tennessee's ability to force turnovers through the first 10 minutes of the game. Longwood already forced into four turnovers. Just a game to watch out for as Longwood trailing by just a possession and they've got the basketball looking to tie. And that's a look around your scoreboard in the NCAA tournament here through the first four games of March Madness on Thursday. And like I said, we'll keep you up to date throughout the show today. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Resetting the show here, we'll have Lance Dahl at 2.30 p.m. of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily to speak with us today about Auburn's NCAA tournament picture as well as talking about Kentucky as they take on St. Peter's later on this afternoon. That game, I believe, slated for 6 o'clock is where we're looking at with Kentucky. It'll be a 6-10 tip on CBS. Wildcats are 18-point favorites, as well as coming up at 3 p.m. for the entirety of hour number two, Levi Fitzwater, friend of the program, former host on the show, will be joining us for the entire hour number two today. We'll do playing the lines with Levi Fitzwater as we do most Thursdays, as well as we'll continue to talk about all of the happenings in the NCAA tournament. Also, we'll break down Auburn for you as we are one day away from the Tigers beginning their journey in the NCAA tournament. My first topic of the show today, rocking solo. If you want to call in, once again, we'll talk to you anything on your mind, whether it's Auburn baseball, Auburn basketball, Auburn football, spring practice has gotten started. We will talk about numerous things in the sports world, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. My first topic today, I'm going to talk about which SEC team I feel the most confidence in to survive the longest in the NCAA tournament this season and I said earlier that it's Kentucky and I'm going to explain why when I look at their bracket first of all compared to the other teams in their respective pods from the SEC and I think you look at the two seeds you look at Auburn and Kentucky and I think those are the two teams that I do have the most confidence in and that's why I'm going to talk about Kentucky here and why they slightly edge Auburn for me to go the furthest you look at Kentucky in their respective bracket and you see the teams that they're getting to play compared to the other two seeds and what they're getting early on. And when I look at it and I see that they've got Murray State and San Francisco compared to the likes of what Duke has with Michigan State or Davidson, you look on the other side of the bracket, Villanova's got Ohio State or Loyola Chicago, and Auburn's got USC or Miami. And I'm going to talk here a little bit about those other teams before I get to Murray State and San Francisco. Michigan State is a basketball school. Like, this is the Michigan State University, and the way that they recruit, they're going to have talent that could provide issues to a Duke, right? I'm not saying that they will win, but you know that they recruit and they have the talent and they have the coaching to potentially, if they wanted to, go on a run. We've seen it before. Davidson, a team that is no strangers to the NCAA tournament, a 10 seed, and they didn't even win the Atlantic 10 Conference. That's, that's the respect 
that the NCAA Tournament Committee has for a squad like Davidson that can shoot the basketball very well, and there is more respect from me and from most people in the basketball community for the Atlantic 10 Conference compared to the likes of the conferences that Murray State and San Francisco hail from, which is the WCC and the Ohio Valley Conference. Davidson is much more, I would believe, a tough opponent than a Murray State or a San Francisco. You look down at Villanova's pod, They've got Ohio State, who's been a top 25 team for pretty much the entire year, and when they play well, they definitely have the ability to knock off a Villanova. Same as Loyola Chicago. Maybe not a top 25 team all year long, but no strangers to the NCAA tournament. A well-coached program. They are potentially the best mid-major program in basketball right now when you look over the last couple of years and what they've done in the NCAA tournament. They have knocked off some big dogs, and I wouldn't be shocked if Loyola Chicago made a Sweet 16 run with the way that they play basketball, especially if they catch Ohio State and Villanova on a bad day. That is a very difficult pod there for Villanova to be playing out of. You look at Auburn with the two teams that they could have to play in the round of 32 if Auburn advances. They've got a USC team that was undefeated coming out of non-conference play, has been in the top 25 all year long, has pretty much been inside the top 20 all year long. And then you've got Miami, who has been a top four team in the ACC all year long. You compare the two seeds of Auburn, Villanova, and Duke to the potential second-round matchup of what Kentucky will have to face in Murray State or San Francisco, and I ask you to tell me how in the world anybody could believe that what Kentucky's path is to a Sweet 16 or an Elite Eight, how that is not the easiest path of any of the two seeds at this point. You look at Murray State, the toughest team that they've played this year was Auburn. And it was clear that while, yes, they had some shooters and while, yes, they played an attractive brand of basketball, Murray State did not have the athleticism to run with a team like Auburn, did not have the guys in the front court to bang with a team like Auburn. There was clearly a difference in talent on the floor, and that's why Auburn won by 13. And I don't even think Auburn played their best game that day. I was there. I don't think they played their best game. If they play Kentucky, and granted, I know they've won 30 games. That's hard to do. And yes, they've got some scores. But when they play Kentucky, who in that front court is going to minimize the impact of Oscar Shibway? I don't think anybody in that front court is capable, from an athleticism standpoint, of keeping that guy off the glass all day long, which is what it takes to beat a team like Kentucky, as well as I know they've got some scores. I know they've got some shooters in the backcourt. But still, I look back to that Auburn game, and I'm like, those two teams looked like they were from different tiers of college basketball. And the same thing will happen in the Kentucky game. I would not be concerned whatsoever with Kentucky getting upset by Murray State. And then San Francisco is the 10 seed there. And since when did the WCC become a reputable basketball conference, aside from Gonzaga coming out of it? I know St. Mary's is a 5 seed, and maybe they did enough in non-conference play to deserve that 5 seed, including a win in conference play against Gonzaga. Maybe they did enough to generate that respect. I'm not mad at that. Gonzaga and St. Mary's are two good basketball teams. But when in history was the last time that everybody was just like, yeah, the WCC is good. We should take four teams out of this conference and put them in the NCAA tournament. That doesn't happen. I'll tell you what happened with the WCC this year, and I saw it before the year started. John Rothstein posted a tweet, and I love John Rothstein. He posted a tweet saying that the WCC had some good teams and that it could be a three or a four bid league this year. And a lot of people saw that in the basketball community. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's a hot take. We like that hot take, right? And it just kind of snowballed into everybody believing it 
because they said it enough times. But I don't know if any of these teams actually in the WCC proved that they belonged on the national stage. Just look at their non-conference resume, and I still stand by. I don't know, even if San Francisco, and I think San Francisco has probably done more than Murray State has, just with the fact that they have St. Mary's and Gonzaga in their own conference. And you look at their non-conference schedule, they attempted to play tougher teams than Murray State did. So maybe San Francisco, I kind of, when I looked at that matchup, I was like, you know, I think San Francisco is a really tough draw for Murray State. I think both of these teams got overseeded on the 7-10 line. Once again, I go back to Murray State's body of work. It doesn't shout 7 seed to me. I think they're probably much more like an 11 or a 12 seed. And San Francisco, I think, is in the same boat as a 12 seed or an 11 seed. I don't think that this should have been the 7-10 matchup. Of course, it'll be really fun to watch. It's going to be a good basketball game, but I don't see either of them really truly challenging Kentucky in the next round from a talent and athleticism standpoint. Kentucky's just too deep for a team like that, and they recruit far superior players than those two programs do. And you look at the other two seeds and who I already brought up, you got teams like Ohio State, USC, Michigan State, all as seven seeds, and it's like those guys have talent. Those guys recruit well. Sure, they have been underachieving this year, but they've got dudes. They've got players. They've got good coaches. And then the 10 seeds in those brackets, maybe except Miami, because I'm not a big believer in Miami, and I don't think Miami's going to beat USC, but even Loyola Chicago and Davidson have the firepower and the right mindset and the right style of play to go on a run because we've seen it. We have seen it in tournament history. Davidson has gone on a run. Loyola has gone on a run. So don't tell me it's not possible. The other two seeds are like, man, we're going to be blessed if we make it to the Sweet 16. I'm not going to say that they're expecting to lose or anything like that, but it's definitely not a foregone conclusion that all the other two seeds are going to make it to the Sweet 16, whereas Kentucky, I think they look at theirs and they're like, yeah, this is pretty favorable. The Sweet 16 is where a potential issue could come for the Kentucky Wildcats, and that's what Jacob and I have talked a little bit on the show about this week when we've talked about other SEC teams in the bracket aside from Auburn. When Kentucky makes it to the Sweet 16, this is the order of team that I think is most likely that they'll play. I think it's most likely they'll play Purdue. If not Purdue, it'll be Virginia Tech. And if not Virginia Tech, it'll be Texas. I highly doubt Yale will make it that that far. Let's say they get Purdue. If they get Purdue, the front court for Purdue is going to give Oscar Shibway issues. You've got Trevion Williams and you've got Zach Eddy. Zach Eddy's 7'4", and while Trevion Williams may not be 7'4", he's a burly, tough, strong, physical player. And those two have really been part of the success story for Purdue this year. Those two will be able to minimize the effects of Oscar Sheboy. A lot of attention is going to be devoted from Purdue onto Oscar Sheboy. And so while Purdue may have more front court numbers in terms of players that they could devote maybe to an Oscar Sheboy, on the flip side, I think Kentucky has more backcourt numbers compared to what Purdue has. Purdue maybe has the best scorer on the entire floor in Jaden Ivey, but beyond that, the backcourt depth and the backcourt scoring ability for Purdue, and this is exactly why I think they lost to Iowa because Iowa had more shooters if you watch the Big Ten Championship game. And this is why I think Kentucky is going to beat Purdue and advance to the Elite Eight because Kentucky has more guards, more scoring threats out of that backcourt than Purdue does. And at the end of the day, it's going to take guard play to advance in that game because the front courts are going to negate each other. They're going to take each other out of the game effectively from a scoring standpoint, or at least a consistent scoring standpoint. And when you talk about Ty Ty Washington, Sabir Wheeler, Davion Mitz, Kellen Grady, I trust the numbers there, the four rather than the one, 
for Purdue with Jaden Ivey, who, once again, is phenomenal, 17.8 points per game. But Purdue, I don't think, is deep enough, in my mind, to take down Kentucky in that Sweet 16. And if it's Texas or Virginia Tech, I think Kentucky matches up well with those two teams. So I got Kentucky into the Elite Eight. And then Kentucky in the Elite Eight would be playing feasibly probably Baylor, assuming they get back healthy. And if they don't, they'll get a four seed in the UCLA. I think potentially North Carolina could make a run, especially if they can catch Baylor kind of undermanned. They've got an injury in their backcourt to their starting point guard. North Carolina beats Baylor. I could see them making it to that Elite Eight matchup to play Kentucky. But either way, once again, the depth of the depth of Kentucky, the fact that they are fully healthy, unlike a Baylor, I think a Kentucky-UCLA would be a fantastic matchup with the way that UCLA can defend. At the end of the day, Kentucky, from an offensive standpoint, the two teams that I like the most out of that entire region, the two teams that I like the most out of the entire East region are Purdue and Kentucky, and the winner of that game I think is going to end up going on to the Final Four to play Gonzaga out of the other region. Will they be able to beat Gonzaga? Probably not. I think Gonzaga is going to go to the national championship more than likely. Uh, and I think Kentucky's got a chance to go that far, but I do like Kentucky's route maybe a little bit more, and that's kind of the, the genesis of this segment was I was talking about which teams do I like the most or which team in the SEC do I like the most to survive the longest in the NCAA tournament, and I like Kentucky's route maybe a little bit more than in Auburn or Tennessee, which Tennessee right now up 29-17 to 17 on Longwood with 7-14 left to go in the first half in the 3-14 matchup. In their game currently, that one can be found on CBS if you are around a TV or a streaming subscription, of course. And I look at the other teams in the SEC, like in Auburn, and the bracket that they've got to go through to get to where they want to make it. Auburn, in their bracket, I think USC is a really tough matchup for Auburn's play style in the second round. If they get Miami, I like Auburn to advance out of that. But say you're taking on USC in the second round and the way they defend the rim that's going to really challenge Auburn to play the game the right way if they get past that you're playing Wisconsin LSU Colgate or Iowa State aside from Colgate those three teams LSU Iowa State and Wisconsin they can all defend really well especially if you got Wisconsin in the Sweet 16 I think that's another tough matchup for Auburn with the way that they slow down the game and would force Auburn to play can Auburn make the right basketball decisions and be efficient enough on offense to win I definitely think if Auburn's hitting their shots they cruise to the Elite Eight and in the Elite Eight they would be playing Kansas who I think is a potential national championship contender of course they are they're a one seed and now once you get to the Elite Eight Auburn's no longer a unique team Everybody can defend in the Elite Eight. Everybody can play the level of defense that Auburn plays in the Elite Eight. Who can find the buckets? It's just incredibly, I think it's a tougher route for Auburn who would have to play potentially USC and then Wisconsin or LSU and then Kansas. Whereas Kentucky is playing Murray State or San Francisco, Purdue or Virginia Tech, and then an undermanned Baylor. More than likely. Or they could get an eight seed making a run to that point in North Carolina. I just think the the route for Kentucky is a little bit easier than it is for an Auburn. And I know a lot of people said that they liked Auburn's region, but I don't compared to the other SEC teams. I think it's exactly the style of play that could doom Auburn early on. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about the NCAA tournament. We'll take a look back at the scoreboard, keep you up to date with everything going on in the NCAA tournament action right now, as well as we'll gear up to have Lance Dahl locked on Kentucky with us at 2.30 p.m. 
about three minutes left until we get to Lance Dolph, Locked On Kentucky. Here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central, Alabama. You know what I learned today, everybody? You know what I learned? Trevor, you know what I learned? I learned don't trust the Mountain West Conference ever again. I got burned this week by the Mountain West. Already. Already. I know the first four games don't matter. I think we should have to pick the first four games. I've heard some sentiments over the last couple of weeks, even from Jacob on this very own program. Love Jacob. He knows I do. He knows I'm just messing with him. That apparently the first four is not the NCAA tournament. Newsflash, it's an NCAA tournament appearance. It counts. The NCAA tournament began on Tuesday. I think we should have to pick those first four games because that greatly dictates, I think, your picks later on in the tournament. You could take one of those first four teams and say, well, I like Rutgers to maybe go on a run, but not Notre Dame, right? And, of course, everybody likes that freebie in case they did think that maybe one of those teams could go on a deep run and then they got eliminated and you could go and change your, your bracket really quickly on ESPN or wherever you're doing your bracket challenge or on our website, ESPNAU.com, right? You could go and change that in time, but I just think we should have to pick it. I don't know why the first four is viewed as less. You actually get some really good first four matchups. Like last night, Notre Dame-Rutgers was an incredible first four game and all of those games mean just as much to those teams in the first four as some of these round of 64 games mean to like a Longwood. We'll get you a score update in the NCAA tournament in just a second. But, yeah, I don't trust any Mountain West team ever again. Wyoming lost. Boise State's getting trashed right now by Memphis, or they were. It's now just a nine-point game. But the fact that I'm saying it's just a nine-point game should tell you something about how bad that was. Colorado State lost to Michigan earlier by blowing a 15-point lead. 0 for 3 if Boise State loses. Just saying. San Diego State, they coming for you. You telling me that Wyoming should have been in the tournament over Texas A&M? Some of these other teams should have been in the tournament over Texas A&M? Get out of here. I just can't trust that anymore. I feel, I feel awful. And uh, you know what stinks, Trevor? You know what stinks? Aside from Boise State, I picked three Mountain West teams to win in my bracket. I was like, yeah, this has a pretty good history of being a basketball conference. This is a, they've got some teams. Wrong! Learn, never trust the Mountain West again. Never trust the Mountain West again. We got about 30 seconds left in this segment. I'll give everybody some score updates before we go to commercial break. Looking around the NCAA tournament scoreboard, Memphis is up on Boise State. 7-16 left in the second half. That game on TNT, as well as Baylor up 56-35, to under 15 to go in the second half there. Uh, some other games. Iowa got started with Richmond. Richmond's up 14-13 to on a trendy Cinderella pick for a lot of folks out there. That's 11 minutes left in the first half. See anything else live right now? Tennessee, of course, up by 14, 38-24, 419 left in the first half. Two games have gone final. Michigan beat Colorado State 75-63. to And Providence beat South Dakota State 66-57. to you got Lance Dahl, Blanton, Kentucky on the other side of this break. Back on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central, Alabama. My boy Trevor on the phone lines. He's down bad right now. Things aren't going well for him. NCAA tournament day. I'll be fair. I'm 0 for 2 on two of my picks right now, but I didn't have them going past the round of 32. I still don't trust the Mountain West. 
The new Pac-12 is the Mountain West. We got Lance Dolph locked on Kentucky with us on the show. Lance, how you doing today, my man? Doing all right, Noah. One for one on my pick so far, I believe, and I like that statement. Mountain West, the new Pac-12. I think that's funny. Lance, you're on the way to Greenville, my man. Am I right in saying that, or are you already there? Yes, sir. Currently on the way to Greenville. A little bit of traffic, uh, but we're going to get there eventually. Perfect time to talk then that you're on the way and you're in traffic. I'm glad to have you on the show today. Of course, Kentucky's coming up later. I do want to talk about Kentucky before we get to Auburn. Kentucky's playing today. They play at 6'10 against St. Peter's. I know you're going to hunker down to watch it. I'll tell you this. When I looked at St. Peter's and I was looking at all these different SEC teams and who they were getting to play, and I was looking at St. Peter's, and I'll tell you, I think this may be – they should have been in the first four. I don't see how they weren't a, a 16 seed. You, I'm, I'm assuming you really like Kentucky today. I would. Yeah, listen, I don't want to say – I hate saying anytime, whether it be a preview podcast or talking about an individual game, I hate saying that it's going to be a blowout. And in this circumstance, it is a little bit of a dis, uh, it is a little bit of a disrespect towards St. Peter's. But I'm going to be honest with you, Noah. You look at some of the metrics. You look at how St. Peter's plays. I think they're uh, they're undersized. They don't shoot particularly well in a variety of categories. Their defense is stout, but again, I wonder how they're going to uh, going to face off against SEC length and experience and talent. Uh, that Kentucky's got. I agree with you. I don't think that wild, the Wildcats are really going to struggle today. They're favored big. I believe they're favored by like 18, 18 yeah. and a half, something like that. Uh, I think it's going to be an ugly matchup. If Kentucky's guards can can shoot just a little bit better than they have here down the stretch, I think Kentucky's going to run away with this one. Of course, I was talking in my first segment of the show about which SEC team I like the most or I have the most confidence in to survive the longest in the NCAA tournament. You want to take a wild guess who I chose? I would probably hmm, – it's either Kentucky or Tennessee. I would, I would probably say Kentucky or Tennessee. I'm shocked that you didn't guess Auburn just considering the program. But I said Kentucky. I think Kentucky has the depth. I like their trip to a Final Four. I like their road to a Final Four probably more than any other SEC team. Not probably, definitely. I like Kentucky's road to the Final Four more than any other team out of the Southeastern Conference. And that's what I want to break down here with you, the potential second-round matchup of a Murray State or San Francisco. What have you gleaned from those two opponents and looking ahead to the second round? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to level with you. I think this is the weakest pod of all of the two seeds as far as what a potential round of 32 matchup could be. I think all of the other two seeds have it vastly more difficult than getting Murray State, whose best opponent that they played was Auburn, lost by 13, didn't even look like they competed on the same floor. And then San Francisco, what have they done this year? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good point. That's what I was going to say about Murray State is that they're talented. There's a reason that they're 30-2. and two. I think they're a complete team. I talked about this recently on an episode. I think Murray State is, is a solid group of, of players, but – we got to see what they did against Auburn, and to your point, Noah, they did not look particularly impressive, especially on the offensive end. How do they play against the Wildcats? I think an outcome uh, similar to the Auburn game is what we would be looking at. And then, like you said, with San Francisco, they've not really done much of anything this season that would indicate to me that they would be capable of beating the Wildcats. And you look at the rest of that region, right? You've got Baylor, who isn't 100%. I know that Baylor's a really good team, but they're not 100% right now in terms of health. LJ Cryer uh, out for their game that they're currently playing against Norfolk State, I believe. Uh, UCLA, North Carolina could be potential teams to upset 
uh, the Baylor Bears later on in uh, in the uh, in the tournament. And then when you look at them matching up against a team like Kentucky, I would favor the Wildcats in both of those matchups. The only team that would give me concern is Purdue because of their length and their size. And I just wonder how does Oscar Shibway battle against Zach Eady and Trevion Williams uh, for the Boilermakers? I think that would be an interesting matchup, a very difficult one at that. If Kentucky's guards, Kellen Grady, Davion Mintz, Ty Ty Washington, if they can't shoot the three better than they are right now, the Purdue game could be a place where Kentucky struggles. But if the Wildcats beat Purdue, I agree with you. I think they are virtually a lock to make the Final Four if they are able to get past the boiler, boiler uh, excuse me, the Boilermakers. I think the winner of that Sweet 16 matchup, whether it's Purdue or Kentucky, if we get that matchup, and I really do hope we do because I think that'll end up being one of the best games and one of the best chess matches in the entire tournament, I think those are the two teams to beat in that entire region, and it's not the one seed. I just don't trust Baylor to be able to get out of that region when you look at some of the opponents that they could have. I could see them getting upset on Saturday if they get Marquette or North Carolina. I could see either of those teams capable of upsetting Baylor considering they're there they're without their starting point guard. Um, you know, I want to talk about that Purdue game maybe in a little bit more detail because we talked about that in the first segment. I said I liked Kentucky to get past Purdue. I 100% agree with you about the length and the size up front. For Purdue with Zach Eddy at seven foot four and the Trevion Williams, maybe not seven foot four, but he's got the size, the physicality, he can get into your body a little bit. But then that tells me that it's going to come down to the back courts. The two front courts are going to do battle against each other, probably net out zero. So who's going to get the most out of their backcourt? Do you like Kentucky's numbers where they've got four different guys, four different scoring options that they could go to out of the backcourt? Or do you like Purdue, who probably has the best, not probably, has the best backcourt scoring option in the entire game and Jaden Ivey? That's what I was about to say is you look at both these two teams, I think they, they have good options in different ways. Obviously, Kentucky has a variety of different guys that they could potentially look to to provide scoring, whether that be Kellen Grady, whether that be Ty Ty Washington, who scored 25 against Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament, Davion Mintz off the bench. He's a veteran guy that can shoot the three a little bit. Uh, Severe Wheeler. Uh, has made his presence known not only at Kentucky as a scorer and a distributor, but also at Georgia, uh, where he was at before he transferred to the Wildcats. So I would probably say I like those four guys, one of them or maybe even two of them, to really pop off in a game. I like that better than Jaden Ivey, although I will say Ivey is a phenomenal player uh, in his own right. So like, like you said, that this could be a really, really good matchup if we see Kentucky and Purdue play off against, uh, against each other. But I would lean towards Kentucky's depth in their backcourt for sure. Before we talk about Auburn, of course, two results have gone final. You said you were one and one today on your picks. Anything surprised you? Maybe that's happening live right now or that has already gone final? Well, I'll say this. The fact that South Dakota State shot so poorly in the first half against Providence is what shocked me. This is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the entire, uh, entire country. Uh, Providence, according to Ken Palm, is the luckiest team in the entire nation. Uh, and, and honestly, I, I, felt, I felt confident in South Dakota State upsetting uh, the fourth-seeded Friars. Unfortunately, that did not happen. I believe South Dakota State cut it to three late. They did. Uh, and th- and then uh, they fouled a shooter, a three-point shooter. It was a phantom foul. It was a phantom foul. It was not a good foul. I was uh, I was not happy here in the car. But um, <laughs> He didn't uh, touch him. Was, he, 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 like, barely touched his hand, and then he, he allowed him to land. Anyway, uh, it was just really confusing there. Uh, I did expect Michigan – to beat Colorado State, I liked uh, Michigan's size. Colorado State, not the best defensive team in the world. 
Uh, and the fact that Colorado State was able to get out to a lead in that game surprised me, but the Wolverines eventually came back and won. Of course, it was Hunter Dickinson that definitely asserted himself over the likes of Colorado State's front court. I'm interested because right now Tennessee's up 54-29 to at halftime on Longwood. Potential round of 32 matchup looks more likely by the minute. Tennessee, Michigan, Hunter Dickinson versus Tennessee. Similar styles of play here. Both half-court style teams want to play some defense. Who do you think is going to advance to the Sweet 16 if that's the matchup we indeed get? If Tennessee is shooting like they have been recently, they will easily advance to the Sweet 16 in my mind. And I know that Dickinson is a really talented player, but I mean, Tennessee's got a couple of guys in their front court that while they may not be viable scoring options, I think they can play a little defense. Joris Plavchich, uh, I believe they, I believe uh, Joseph Adu or Jonas Adu, I, I believe is one of their front court players, seven-footer if I'm not mistaken. Brendan uh, Huntley-Hatfield is another option they've got. I think that Tennessee, they can continue to shoot the three well. I think their front court can handle Dix- Dickinson enough to where they can get to the Sweet 16 relatively comfortably. Let's talk about Auburn now. Auburn, there has been a lot made about Auburn's pod, if you will, group of four teams that they're a part of in Greenville, USC, Miami, Auburn, and Jacksonville State. Some people saw this bracket come out on Sunday and thought, yeah, this is a pretty good draw for Auburn. Where do you stand on it? I think I'm, I'm right there with them. I think that this is, at least in terms of Auburn's ability to get to the Sweet 16, I think it's a very favorable draw. You look at Miami, uh, not the strongest strength of schedule in the world, running a type of five-out offense. Very interesting what they've got going on uh, down there. Uh, not the tallest team in the world, whereas USC, a uh, very front-court uh, centralized team. They really like to uh, work things in the post offensively and defensively. They're pretty strong as well. I've, either of those two teams, though, I don't know if they necessarily could match up fantastic with Auburn. Auburn would have to shoot as poorly as they did against Texas A&M in the first half for, for those teams to really give the Tigers a run for their money. I think Auburn's capable of beating either USC or Miami, both by double digits. And then uh, you look at Jacksonville State, if the threes don't go down for them, it could be an ugly night for them or ugly afternoon for them tomorrow. Uh, they're a very talented three-point shooting team, but they're also uh, undersized, similar to Miami. So, yeah, I agree. I think that this is a relatively – it's a relatively solid draw for the Tigers to get to the Sweet 16. And then, I mean, you look at potentially who you could be matching up with, LSU, Wisconsin, Iowa State. I think those are all teams Auburn's capable of beating. It's just can they get that guard play? Can they get Katie Johnson and Wendell Green to shoot – and uh, better and make better decisions in the half court. They've got to be able to find some consistencies there. But if they do, I mean, this team could make it to the Elite Eight relatively easy. Official prediction on Auburn, where do you have them landed? I've got them going to the Final Four. I genuinely believe if they make it past the Sweet 16, they can get to the Elite Eight. I think they can win against a team like Kansas. I've seen Kansas already fall apart against a team like Kentucky at home this season. I think Auburn has the personnel to be able to shut down Kansas's offense like Kentucky did, and I think they can get enough out of their guards here down the stretch. At least I hope they do. So I'm going to assume you got Auburn losing to Arizona. I've got Auburn losing to Arizona in the Final Four. I've got the, uh, the Wildcats advancing to the national championship game. While Arizona's uh, defense has been questionable at times this season, I just absolutely love what they do on offense, and I cannot get – uh, enough of what the Wildcats have been able to do uh, this season. I'm going to pick the Wildcats. I believe I have the Wildcats winning it all, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have my bracket right here in front of me. I did like seven or eight, man. Like I, That's I the way to go. Over and over and over, yeah. Uh, it almost feels like, I'll say this with March Madness, it almost feels like if you know too much, 
you're going to predict more incorrectly. It feels like the more you really try and dig into it, the less you are going to come out with the correct answer. Uh, and so I tried to I tried don't to overthink do it's what you're saying. Exactly. I tried to do some research, but at the end of the day, I was just like, I can't overthink this. Let's just pick the picks I believe in and not think too hard about upsets. Gut games for Lance Dahl. He knows oh, no. he knows a thing or two. He knows a thing or oh. two. Lance, before we let you get out of here, I gotta ask you, how many Mountain West teams did you pick to win today? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say give me a gut game. Uh but I I did I picked Memphis to beat Boise State. Good for you. And I know that game I know that game's out west. Uh I just did I just could not trust uh the Broncos to get it done against Memphis. They're playing well. Uh, right here at the end of the season. I didn't pick Colorado State. Are there any other Mount West teams playing today? San Diego State plays this evening against Creighton, which I'm regretting that pick more and more by the oh. moment. Uh, I did pick Memphis, fortunately, over Boise State, but the running joke for anybody joining us right now is how I picked three out of the four Mountain West teams to win a game in the NCAA tournament, and uh, <laughs> that's currently over right now, <laughs> and, uh, and Boise State's going to join the crew, too. I didn't pick them to win, but they're going to be uh, 0-3 the Mountain West is after the first round of the NCAA tournament up to this point. Then they got San Diego State playing tonight against Creighton, which, once again, I I really regret picking San Diego State to win that well, game at this moment. Well, I'll say this. I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm in the clear because I'm, I'm pretty sure I picked Creighton to win that game. Yeah, I thought, sure. I thought about so, it too much. I thought about it too much. Lance, tell everybody what kind of content they can expect as you're covering the NCAA tournament in Greenville as well as what's coming up on Locked On Kentucky. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can find the Locked On Kentucky podcast wherever you get your podcast. Going to be breaking down Kentucky's game against St. Peter's. Going to have an episode going up tomorrow morning. Uh, going to be talking about that matchup and then looking ahead to Murray State or San Francisco. And then on AuburnDaily.com, I write for Sports Illustrated, uh, covering all things Auburn athletics. We're going to be obviously discussing Auburn's potential win over Jacksonville State tomorrow. Uh, going to be continuing to break that matchup down in depth. Going to be talking about uh, some of the things that we need, need to look forward to, some of the different players that we need to be looking at, and then obviously recapping the coverage tomorrow afternoon and then over the weekend, just continuing to preview different things and breaking down different matchups. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. Easily one of the best times of the year. AuburnDaily.com and then Locked on Kentucky, wherever you get your podcast. Lance, we appreciate you joining us today, my man. Hope you have a good trip. Absolutely, Noah. Thank you so much for having me on. That was Lance Dolph, Locked On Kentucky, and Auburn Daly here with us on the Thursday edition of On the Line. An absolute great conversation with him, breaking down some of the Kentucky Wildcats as well as what Auburn's got coming up this week. We're going to look at the scoreboard right here, what's going on in the NCAA tournament before we go to break. Memphis trying to hold on against Boise State. Trevor's having a come apart here in studio as uh, Boise State was, I, I guess, one of your office pool teams that you had. Man, that's tough. Five-point game, though. Memphis is up 58-53 to on Boise. 116 left in that game. Tennessee up 54-29 to on Longwood at halftime. The other games that are right now going live, Baylor, they're going to close it out against Norfolk State, 67-39, to under eight left to go in that one. And then Iowa and Richmond. Not the best offensive display so far by either of those teams up to this point, but they're doing battle in the 5-12. Potential upset there is Iowa 25-23 on Richmond. 3-22 left in the first half. Last segment, power number one of the Thursday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner here with you on the show as Jacob Goins out doing some Lee Scott baseball. First pitch at 3.30 
as the Warriors take on Chambers Academy. Find that on our sister station, AU100. That's 100.3 FM. That'll be a good game to look forward to if you're in the mood for some baseball. But, of course, there's also the rest of the population that is definitely in the mood for basketball as the NCAA tournament is in full force. For those of you just now joining us on the show, look at the scoreboard. Memphis up 62-53 to on Boise State with 25 seconds left in that game. They're in official review right now to determine whose basketball it is. Tennessee up 54-29 to over 14 seed Longwood. That one's at the half. 256 left in the first half. Iowa's on top of Richmond, 25-23. to Richmond held a lead for a substantial portion of the first half. And Baylor is just ripping through Norfolk State right now, 71-43, to 601 left in the second half there of that. Of course, scores that have gone final already today. Looking at the first round of the NCAA tournament, Michigan was the first team today in the round of 64 to punch their ticket to the round of 32. They won the 11-6 game over six-seed Colorado State, 75-63, overcoming a 28-13 deficit in the first half and a nine-point deficit at halftime. And then Providence, the four-seed Friars, take down the 13-seed South Dakota State Jackrabbits, 66-57. And as Lance alluded to in our conversation in our previous segment, talked about how South Dakota State had it cut to three with three uh, with 30 seconds left Providence takes a three missed it by the way they call a foul I don't think it was a foul and they put them at the charity stripe Providence closes out that game wins by nine there goes the trendy upset pick for so many people coming up later on this afternoon as we have more games coming up this evening of course only the first round of games and really kind of the second time slot of games have really gotten into it these are the next games coming up throughout today at 315 at the moment Gonzaga and Georgia State I say at the moment because that could get pushed back depending on how the games go you got Gonzaga and Georgia State coming up at 315 and then at 330 Marquette and North Carolina will be tipping off and then the night games this evening looking at what else is going on here in the first round starting in that six time slot at 5.50, New Mexico State and UConn will play. At 6.10, St. Peter's and Kentucky. At 6.20, Indiana and St. Mary's. And at 6.30, Creighton and San Diego State. And then the late, late games. Vermont and Arkansas at 8.20. San Francisco and Murray State at 8.40. Akron and UCLA at 8.50. And Texas Southern and Kansas at nine o'clock or approximately line nine o'clock because who cares that they're tipping off at 857 so that's a look at your schedule for tonight in the first round of the ncaa tournament coming up in hour number two we're going to have levi fitzwater for his weekly edition of playing the lines as well as we're looking forward to talking to him about all his thoughts and everything going on in the ncaa tournament today as well as we'll continue to give you our picks on everything going on in the NCAA tournament throughout the, throughout the day. We'll talk about the rest of the games happening today. Some SEC matchups, obviously Kentucky and St. Peter's, Arkansas and Vermont are games to discuss, as well as we'll talk some Auburn basketball as they're getting ready to take on Jacksonville State tomorrow. That one, one of the early games. It's the second game of the slate, 1140 on True TV. Uh, as many people have joked, it's National Fine True TV Day. Uh, I love that joke. That's hilarious. But the disrespect, I like watching Impractical Jokers. Memphis is up 64-53 to on Boise State, and it goes final. The nine-seed Memphis Tigers do away with the Boise State Broncos. Sorry, Brian Harson 
and Memphis is on to the second round to possibly face their doom in the one seed Gonzaga Bulldogs. Of course, they play later on today, uh, and that'll be something to keep up with, but I have a strong feeling, as do most, that they will easily dispatch Georgia State. That game's set for tip at 315 on TNT. It's the next game to go live out there in the NCAA tournament, that game being played in Portland, Oregon. That's going to do it for hour number one of the Thursday edition of On the Line. Coming up in hour number two, we got Levi Fitzwater playing the lines. He'll be here with us on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. I'm on the board. And you're on the line. What I mean by I'm on the board, I finally got an NCAA tournament win today. Started out 0-2. Memphis takes down Boise State 64-53. to As we get started on hour number two of On the Line, Iowa and Richmond about to go to half as well. 7.9 seconds left. Iowa on top of Richmond, 28-26. to Oh, no, did they foul the shooter in the corner? I'm having flashbacks. I'm having oh, no. flashbacks. It's never good. It's never good when you see that, man. Never good. Oh, don't foul the shooter in the corner, and they did. And that's Richmond going to the charity stripe, shooting three free throws from the corner three foul. The voice that you hear on the air now with me as promoted Levi Fitzwater with us now on the show for the entire hour number two. It's been it's been a it's been a few weeks since I've been here. A lot of things have changed and happened. I took a trip, went to Orange Beach, see my mom, and then I went to Biloxi, scoot scooted over there, and got to legally play some lines when I was in Biloxi. <laughs> I took Tennessee on a Sunday in baseball. I know that's probably surprising to you, but I listened to your new podcast on the way down there, and I said, you know what? Their offense was humming when you were talking about it. I said, you know what? I'm going to trust my man Noah. I'm going to bet on Tennessee, and they won 8 to nothing that day, so I looked good on that one. I got there just in time. Another surprise for you to watch the weigh-in of the Bassmaster Classic. Okay. I, know I don't peg you as one to watch that, but a friend of mine, his brother from the area, he was actually in the tournament, and he actually finished second in the most prestigious tournament for bass fishing. So shout-out Kyle Welcher, Opelika native, if you're ever watching. It says Opelika, Alabama at the bottom. We love the local athletes, no matter what the sport, however we keep up. But then the more important things, March Madness starts today. NFL has me in a head spin. I, I was My phone was dinging the whole way here. Ding, Baker wants to be traded. Ding, Brown's not trading Baker. Uh, Memphis wins. Iowa, Iowa, the hottest team in the tournament, tied with the Richmond Spiders going into halftime. It's like I can't keep up with anything. It is tied. 7.9 seconds left, and Richmond at the charity stripe with a chance to take the lead. A lot is going on indeed. Going to reset the show here. We'll go through the NCAA tournament scoreboard up to this point. Three games have gone final. Michigan up on Colorado State, knocked them off 75-63. to Providence took down South Dakota State 66-57. to And Memphis took down Boise State 64-53. to Awaiting finals in games that are happening right now, though, the winner of Michigan-Colorado State, 
more than likely is going to be playing Tennessee, who is currently up by 26 on Longwood with 18.36 left in the second half. Providence will advance to play the winner of Iowa-Richmond, which, once again, Richmond up 29-28. to And let's see if that changes. It does not as those teams are going to the half with Richmond up by one. They'll play the winner of that game. And then the winner of Memphis-Boise State awaits their ultimate doom in Gonzaga, more than likely if they beat the 16-seed Georgia State. Georgia State doesn't feel right them being a 16-seed. I'm going to be real. With their tournament history over the last couple of years, doesn't feel right them being a 16-seed. Not saying that it's wrong for this specific year, but we've seen so many years where they're a 13 or a 14 that this one doesn't quite this it looked weird when I saw sixteen next to their name. It feels like the year where Kentucky had the Harrison twins and they were like an eight seed, and it just is one of those things what? where like it just doesn't look right. Like obviously that's you know apples to oranges, but Georgia State, <laughs> you would look at them sitting there thinking like they're they're better than a sixteen. That may seed. be vegetables, to yeah, oranges, my friend. Those they're <laughs> normally like a thirteen or a twelve seed. You know that sixteen feels weird to see for Georgia State, and it's just like seeing Kentucky as an eight seed is tough to see. Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. That will put you through to us here on On The Line. We're taking your calls all throughout the day. I do want to start off hour number two getting away from basketball a little bit because NFL news broke, and we've been talking about the Cleveland Browns a little bit on the show in light of free agency and the Deshaun Watson situation. And I said a couple days ago that I was not a fan of Cleveland talking with Deshaun Watson. I thought that was a very poor decision on their part. Of course, we don't have all the information, and even outside of what's true and what's not true, I still think it's a poor decision to go and talk to Deshaun Watson for other reasons. And now Baker Mayfield says he wants a trade, and Cleveland's swift response was saying, no, you will sit down and you will be our quarterback, and, and they say no to the, to the trade request. And now but, it says Seattle is looking into trying to talk and get Baker from the Browns. What quarterback do they have? I'm not taking Drew Locke for Baker Mayfield. I wouldn't take Drew Locke either. But they do have a plethora of picks. I'd take Drew Locke as a backup, but I would not be taking – no, I am not in the business of NFL draft picks anymore, Levi Fitzwater. We built this thing two years ago. It's too early. It's too early to burn it all down. I agree because it feels – to me, like personally, (sighs) it feels like the Cleveland Browns are spitting in the face of Baker Mayfield. He changed the perception that people have about that franchise. They went from loser mentality – for years in the cellar of the NFL, took them to a tell me about took it. Took them I to the playoffs. Took them to the playoffs. Beat the Steelers. My former head coach once made a bet with the public that he would jump in Lake Erie if he went 0 and 16. And lo and behold, he lost that bet and had to jump in Lake Erie. <laughs> you have a guy who literally changed the perception of your franchise. Tore his shoulder. All to pieces last year. Tried, More than just the shoulder. Hurt yeah. his ankle, groin, and shoulder. And tried to, the left side of his body was not operational. And this is why when, I, when people are like, oh, I, they need to play through the injury. Show some toughness. This is why you don't do that because when you look a little bit lackluster than what you're used to seeing from Baker Mayfield, everybody starts turning on him. Look at what happened with Jarvis Landry, too. Jarvis Landry did the same thing. Everybody started turning on him. Like, Remember There's, when I told you that I thought this may, and this is joking, but what if this was a plot to drive down his value? They're like, yeah, man, we need you to play. And then it drives down and their it, value. And, and it's like, because you knew it was a contract year for both of those and guys. And that's what it, it feels like where you're looking at guys, you know, the NF, they're thinking, we could probably save some money if he goes out there and plays with this torn shoulder, you know, the bum ankle, all the injuries that he's, occur- like, has, he's acquired over this season. And I agree with you. My team right now, they were not in a spot to where it hurt. Like your team's the Saints. Yeah, the Saints. It wasn't a situation where 
it felt like they were disrespecting the quarterback that they have because they don't have a quarterback on the roster. There's for, no franchise guy yeah. there. And I don't know if Baker Mayfield has earned franchise status, but he is definitely... It immediately burns that bridge. Immediately when you start doing that. And he's, and he's one of the leaders on this team. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's one of the leaders on the team for Cleveland. And he's the guy that you've been building this new era of Browns football around. And he was successful when he was healthy. Vastly successful when he's healthy. He had like a hundred QB rating last year when he was healthy. Had a two to one touchdown interception ratio. It may have been better than that. I'll go and get his stats from two years ago. But he had a good year two years ago when the Browns went eleven and five. And then he gets hurt early in the season. I think he first hurt that shoulder when he tried to t- he threw a potential pick six and to the Texans in week two. And he jettisoned his body like a torpedo through the air and tried to tackle the dude with his throwing shoulder first. And I remember live that moment, I said, what are you doing? You're going to hurt yourself. And then what happened? He got hurt. Well, that's another, and that's part of it, too. Everybody was uh, complaining about Cam Newton, lack of effort in the Super Bowl, diving into a pile to grab a football. You don't know what could happen. You could tear your shoulder, and the next thing you know, you're out of a job. You're, they're trying to get rid of you. Like, sometimes when you see, they'll say quarterback was making a, business decision after he throws a pick six you see Matt Ryan just you know just chugging down the sidelines strolling because he doesn't want to hurt himself he knows well okay I get this one tackle but also I might could tear my shoulder out and next thing you know I'm a backup for the Detroit Lions for the rest of my career you don't want that well above three to one touchdown interception ratio in 2020 my bad was 26 touchdowns to eight interceptions which is nothing to turn your nose against uh, 63% completion percentage through for 3,563 yards. Uh, he had a 95.9 rating, uh, quarterback rating, as well as the ESPN QBR had him at a 65.5, which isn't anything, you know, th- those aren't spectacular numbers, but they're also not horrible numbers either. His sack percentage increased b- by about double. He- he- his sack percentage almost increased to 10 from five from last year. Uh, obviously, he wasn't getting the same amount of protection. He was not 100% healthy, and he still had the Browns in the playoff hunt going into the last two weeks of the season with half, once again, I reiterate, and this is not an exaggeration, literally like half of his body was not operational. And they also had, you can go ahead and just take one of those games, crumble it up and throw it away that he didn't even play in because that was the game where half your half the roster was on the COVID protocol list against the Raiders so like he wasn't in that game yeah he didn't even he didn't, even he didn't get game. to play that game but you yeah, take Nick that Mullins game played that game but like you if you take that game and even with Baker Mayfield not playing win that game if they're in the Case playoffs. Keenum wins that game they're number one in the division going into the Packers game the next week which they blew because once again half of Baker Mayfield's body not operational but like it gives them they might make the playoffs this year if they play that game with Case Keenum at quarterback even with yeah. a full cuz they were in that game with him. With I think if Case Keenum's the quarterback down the stretch we probably do make the playoffs. Agreed because he was healthy. He was healthier than Baker. And Baker, I give him credit for the guts. And I'm not saying and to your point where earlier you said I don't know if he's the franchise guy, but he's definitely a leader in the organization. He's, it is definitely a, a he is definitely one of the central figures. I wouldn't necessarily say that he's earned franchise status, meaning that he's on lockdown for forever. I wouldn't say that he's not an Aaron Rodgers or a or a Philip Rivers or anything like that. He's not gotten to that point, and he may never get to that point. But he's definitely earned enough respect to not be discarded because of one year where he got injured. And you're and it showed that you're punting on him. It shows you're punting on him by speaking to a guy like Deshaun Watson. Like, let's be honest. But do you think it was the right decision for Baker Mayfield to do what he did and publicly say that this relationship is beyond mend? Because he did say that. There is. Adam Schefter tweeted it out. Trevor showed me it. Said that 
Baker Mayfield basically made the statement that this thing's beyond repair. And Baker Mayfield's like, we, and that was part of his trade request. I just think that's a little bit, that's interesting because. I, I, I understand it. Is he in a position of leverage to be able to burn that's, the bridge? That's what I'm saying. Like, I understand where he's coming from because but he, he has every right have leverage. Hurt. But if he doesn't say that, that also gives the, because other teams can look at this now and go, we're not giving up a lot for this guy. Like, we're not going to give up a lot because y'all don't want him. And he doesn't want to be there. Y'all have no leverage in this trade situation. Now. Uh, the Browns have zero leverage, and Baker. Maybe that no, was his plan. Maybe maybe, his, maybe <laughs> this is reverse psychology. Maybe and he, he doesn't was, want to get traded. Tra- maybe he wants to get traded, but he's like, I they ain't getting anything from me. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to make sure of <laughs> that on my on way you. out. I was so bad, you can't trade me now. Now because you have no leverage, you can only get a fifth round pick from me. How about that? If the Browns did something like that, I'd lose my mind. Oh, I would too. I'd lose my mind. I'd be like, especially, make him play. And especially Is there any chance this, he sits out though? Because that was what Trevor said. He's like, he could sit out. I'm like, does he want to get paid? I could see. I could see it. Got to make. Gotta he's make got plenty. Money. He's got plenty of endorsements. Dude's got a lot of commercials. Oh, how awkward would that be? That he's <laughs> doing they would pull, have, in first energy They'd have stadium. to pull those commercials, right? They'd have to start like reworking. They'd photo or like oh, video man. edit uh, Case Keenum's face onto Baker Mayfield's body, like something like that. I can see that working. If they did a commercial, he's got to be in like the doghouse, right? Like he's got to be sleeping in literally yeah. a doghouse to to say that he's in the doghouse. I mean, and you're also doing this on a year where there's like quarterback class. They have some for the draft. They have some guys, but it's it's a weak class. You know, like oh, I'm not drafting any of these. Yeah, guys. there's there's talent, and I like a lot of these guys as potential prospects. But you don't have a like last year. You had Trevor Lawrence. You had Zach Wilson. You had Trey. All those guys that went in the first round last they year. They had the tools. I like. I like every first-round quarterback last year better than every first-round quarterback this year, and it's it's a bad draft class. It's, yeah, it's not a great one. Like there's guys with upside. You there's know? nobody in free agency that you're really attracted to I as mean, a quarterback James prospect. Jameis Winston's still available as of right now. He was six and two as a starter last year. Just saying, you can have him. You I can ju- have him back. Why, why keep- is he not in New Orleans anymore? Uh, because they're flirting with Deshaun Watson too, which I don't know how I feel about that. And it has nothing to do with football because Deshaun Watson's an immediate upgrade of football, but it feels incredibly grimy for me from a moral perspective. And I've had to question, what do I do moving forward? I love the Saints, but do I don't know if I can in good faith just – I don't know. I don't know how I can feel about There's that. a lot of people that probably feel like that. And, and, oh, you know, I know. and I know he didn't get criminally indicted. I get that. And we still don't know what's all true and what's not true. I, I've, I've been – very open about saying like you you don't know everything that's going down there exactly he hasn't he definitely wasn't proven guilty and but i also don't know if uh it's also hard to prove those things guilty and that in the criminal case it's hard to prove cases like that guilty and that likewise i think it's hard to prove innocence as well which is why this is such a weird situation when you're sitting there and you're like do you bring this guy into your organization it's a weird situation from a lot of these organizations the the decisions they're making but also from the fan perspective of man do you want to after everything you've been reading about, is is that what you want to – are you ready to support that? You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's hard for me. I mean, just knowing – I mean, again – And I'll I tell want, you, that, that's a big reason why I did not want the Cleveland Browns to no, go I, after Deshaun Watson. I didn't. And it makes – like, it feels weird for, you know, an organization saying that this is okay. And, again, we don't know – like, I, I'm speaking – You don't just have from, all the facts. I don't, don't have all know the facts. And I don't know everything. But from what I – what I know, there are 22 allegations. That's what I know right now whether those are true, whether those are false, whatever. And I want to say that as clearly as possible that I, you know, me personally knowing people who have been victimized in that kind of way, how do I look them in the eye and be like, yeah, I'm okay with that, regardless of true or not? Like, I, I just, I don't think I can. As a friend, 
as someone who has a mom, as someone who has nieces, nephews, has friends who has daughters, like that's hard for me to swallow. Just as a person with a moral compass, it's not always great. Like I'm, I'm, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life as well, and I'm all for redemption arcs. If he, he wants to come in and show that, look, this is behind me and be a model citizen and work on that, that is a-okay, and I would support him as a person in that. As of right now, me, it's just a moral pull for me. 100%. I think a lot of people, a lot of NFL fan bases are feeling like that. Anything else in free agency that has caught your attention? Because obviously we're all over the place. There's a lot of stuff going on. What maybe is the most shocking or surprising move for you up to this point? Um, the Rams are, you know, they're doing their thing like the Saints where they said the cap doesn't exist. Don't matter. <laughs> and Allen Robinson is going to the Rams. So you're going to have Allen Robinson, Bobby Trees, Cooper Cup. Uh, pretty much means that OBJ. What about Odell Beckham? I feel like he's going to be going somewhere elsewhere now, right? If he, I'll take him back in Cleveland. Come I'll, on back. He can come down to New Come on with it. He can come to us. I mean, I heard <laughs> We need all, a wide receiver now. Jarvis left. All those uh, salary cap nerds are saying, well, the Saints can't get under. They're going to have to steal half the team. Oh, what? And we got right out of it. They said, oh, we knew this all along. They tried to gaslight us. They were like, oh, no, no. We said this. They were going to be able to get out of this all along. It's like, no, I got their seats. I bookmarked them all on my phone. <laughs> I saw what y'all were saying. Y'all, this, the stupid cap nerds who think that blah, blah, blah. Can't get under it. Saints got under it. They can bring in OBJ if they want to. Jarvis Landry can. Are they going to be home. able to resign all the pieces that you'd like to though? Like have net. It, let's look at this from a net perspective. Are the Saints minus or positive though? And I think that's where some of that's come from. Like, are the Saints really in the clear and that they haven't lost it, at all in this whole situation? It depends because there's still some pending things up in the air. Uh, they restructured Roby, which I would assume means that they're probably getting rid of. C.D. Deuce, C.J. Gardner, formerly C.J. Gardner Johnson, with the legal name change, um, in a potential Watson trade. Uh, Armstead said he would. He's waiting on the Watson decision to see if he comes back or not. That'd be a big game. Marcus Williams is a huge loss, but the Marcus May signing from New York, it it stems the bleeding. It does not fix that, but it stems it. They've honestly done really well with what they've kept on that roster. It's really just. What are they going to do at quarterback? And whether that is Deshaun Watson or do they bring a guy back like Jameis Winston, you have to see what they do in that regard. But as of right now, I feel like they've done pretty well with everything they've done without losing too many valuable pieces. I mean, most the core on both sides are there still for those for the for them personally. Cores are there. How you feeling about Tom? Touchdown, Tommy's back. Oh, yeah, real look at me, Larry. That guy. He's like, oh, all the tension's off of me. Let me just unretire real quick. Pretty much, I mean, let's be honest. There's only one reason Tom Brady comes out of retire. He hates his family. He spent <laughs> he spent a week. He spent what three weeks with his kids. That, was, that's a promo right there. That's a promo. He, There's only one reason Tom Brady came out of retirement. He hates his family. He spent okay. three weeks with his kids and said, <laughs> "Good luck with that. I'm gonna go throw the football some more. Peace." Yeah, I didn't like throwing his football to his kids. Right? <laughs> he's like, "I'll, I'll Gronk. You can't catch the ball. Gronk can catch the ball, and he's Frankenstein monster over there, held together with popsicle sticks and glue. And little kid over here, I don't know Tom Brady's kids' names. They might can catch. I don't know. He's like, I'm gonna go hang out with my buddy Rob. Man. Get out of here, man." You're not holding up well. You're down bad. I saw some of your tweets. You were crying on Twitter, <laughs> I was man. sad. I thought we got rid of him, but it's fine. Like, I don't really worry about him too much. I mean, he hasn't beaten the Saints in the regular Touchdown season. Touchdown, Tommy's back in the league. Yeah, I mean, that's a guarantee two wins for my Saints team because, you know, he can't beat us in the regular season. <laughs> Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk more NCAA tournament here on On the Line.
Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on the show here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We're taking your calls. We'll talk a little Auburn basketball in just a moment, but I'm going to go back to the NCAA tournament scoreboard, keep everybody up to date with what's going on in the NCAA tournament. Games that have gone final up to this point. We have four that have gone final, two of which are still in action, and we should have some be tipping off if they haven't already they should be tipping off shortly, but they haven't just yet. They've pushed back the start time of the Gonzaga-Georgia State game to 3.27 p.m. Central Time, and so that'll be coming up in five minutes. But here's the games that have gone final. 11-seed Michigan took down 6-seed Colorado State, 75-63. to 9-seed Memphis beat 8-seed Boise State, 64-53. to 4-seed Providence beat 13-seed South Dakota State 66-57. to And 1-seed Baylor, this game just went final, beat 16-seed North Folk State 85-49. to Two games live right now. 8-28 left in the second half. 3-seed Tennessee, they will be advancing more than likely unless catastrophe. Uh, this would be a miracle. It, it, I, I'm serious. Jesus would have to – Jesus 100% would do this. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no way that – there's no way Longwood can come back from this. 75 to 44 is the score there with 8:22 left in the second half and then halftime Richmond Virg- uh, Richmond against Iowa 29 to 28. That second half about to get going as they're in layup lines. My bracket's already pretty busted. A few of them with really? some early ones. Not busted, busted, but you, you know, busted. I lost some early ones. How many I don't teams like... you got going to Sweet 16 that have already played? Okay, I have that like, lost. I have like seven different brackets. Okay, so one of which I did have Colorado State going pretty far. That one was tough. That's not. That's not fair. That's not a bad trendy, you know, but move. I also so like I have this thing where I get aggravated when I keep hearing the same rhetoric over and over again, and all I heard was Iowa, the hottest team coming in the tournament. I'd be happy to see him lose. RIP my bracket. RIP yeah, no, my bracket, but I love it. Don't say that. It's don't, the same don't bring with, that energy It's the in same here. with this is Gonzaga's year. Uh, this this is the year. I was like, So I, who do you think is one of the NCAA tournament? Is it not obvious? Duh. Duh? Who Duh? is it? Who do you think? <laughs> who do you think? Take one wild guess. I'm the Duke Blue Devils, baby. Oh, oh get out of here. It's Coach K's miracle Disney run. You're, they're going to make sure he gets that lovely magic moment on the way out. The NCAA uh, and the fraud company. Are you that, sure? The frauds that are the referees and the NCAA will make sure that it happens and they can have a magical Disney fantasy you know, of a title on the way Duke, out. Duke, North Carolina, that game, we have not talked since this happened. I don't want to okay? talk. Okay, I don't talk about that. But hold on. Duke, North Carolina, and I know you're a Duke fan. You know full well that that, that that script was written from the start. Everybody on ESPN was just like, there's no way. Like The way that they talked about that game was there was no way that Duke was going to lose to North Carolina. Oh, I yeah. know that was two weeks ago, but, but if no, you watched a- all day, it was just like, there's no way they're all losing day. today. For, for four or five days, that's all you heard on ESPN. It was like, there was no way they're losing. And then, and then get, not- slowly belief trickles in with about seven minutes left in that game. And everybody was like, Oh, this is happening. Like and you then see it, and you're happen. like, there's no way that then it comes to there's no way Duke's coming back to win this game. But no, I mean, I've got Duke. I forget you like Duke. I've got Duke in a few brackets. I've got Auburn in some brackets. Uh, I do have one with Gonzaga. Which would you rather win? Let's go ahead. Let's throw some fire on it. Which, which would you one rather would rather win? The, the school that I attended and good. sank all my money into would obviously be the one that I'd want to win. I actually would not have said this a few years ago, but I. Yeah, I, I want Auburn to win, but I have – look, I'm being fair. I've got some brackets where I have Auburn 
drop into USC. I, I'm fair. Like I'm, I take my bias. I when think I that make can them. happen. They match up. It's a weird matchup for them. They I, have I just don't agree with the people, and, and I respect their their opinion. I think Auburn's playing bad enough to where it's a bad matchup for Auburn to play USC. Like I, th- I think it, USC's front court can really frustrate Auburn, and that's what I think. I think that they have one of the front courts that can match up with Auburn, because I mean, you know, Kessler's there's NBA mo- talent in the, on that basketball team. Yeah, Mobley can easily match up with Kessler, and if the guards of Auburn aren't are playing the way we've seen them play the past few weeks to a month, USC's defense can. Or, USC's capable enough on offense to where if their defense plays up to their potential, that could be a tough game for Auburn. And that's that's also saying if USC beats Miami and Auburn beats Jacksonville State, which I, that's the way I trend things to go right now. Nothing is certain in the tournament. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm not saying for Auburn. Which one's more likely? <laughs> I, I feel like Miami beating USC is a little bit more likely than JSU beating Auburn. <laughs> but, you know, I just feel like USC is infinitely better than Miami. And I feel like Auburn's a much better team than Jacksonville State. So I think that's the matchup you'll see in the second round for the Tigers. But yeah, th- that's a ma- like that's just a weird matchup for Auburn to face a team like to face that USC team, and then you got the coach who almost took him to the Final Four last year. You know the Dunk City from Florida Gulf Coast when he was there in infield. So I mean, that could be a real tricky one for the Tigers, and I've got them losing that game in a, in a few brackets because I am fair and respectable in some of mine. I make way too many brackets. I should probably just make one, settle on it. I've made two. Yeah, I need to do that. I need to do that to where I just make one or two and settle instead of stretching myself thin to where I everything is wrong on every bracket. That's probably why I'm so bad at picking March Madness brackets. I've made two, and I'm not feeling great at the moment with the way the Iowa-Richmond game's going because I do have, oh, there was a nice little block, but Iowa right now behind by three to Richmond at this point. I've got Iowa going to the Sweet 16 to play Kansas and lose in one bracket. And then the other one, I have them going to the Elite Eight, potentially Final Four. And that's that you hate me because no, of the hot run thing. But no, but that's fair. I, I have Iowa going far in some brackets. I understand that's respectable. They have been the hottest team coming in the tournament. I, like do, everybody I would said. not. I don't think there's a team from the top half of the bracket that Auburn would want to see if they made it that far. No. Other than maybe Providence. Providence, if they, like, Providence maybe has, and I know you were talking about them being frauds, you know, like, Providence maybe, they're a four seed, let's just be real, they could get that far to the Elite Eight. But I'll tell you, the top half of that bracket, I and Ed Cooley's a great coach, and that team plays tough, so I still probably really wouldn't want to see Providence. I don't think there's a single team in that top half of the bracket that I would want to see in the Elite Eight, in, in as a, opposed to other brackets. In a realistic like in a realistic situation, like you'd love to see Texas Southern. Yes. Yeah, like realistically, <laughs> yeah. you lo- like that's not going to sure. happen, but you would like to see Texas Southern. <laughs> sure. But no, I mean, I agree with you because you really don't want to see Kansas right now because look, Kansas didn't forget. They ain't forget about that tournament. I and this know Kansas they did team, not. And this Kansas team is better than that Kansas hey, team. Yes, this is a much better Kansas team. And I have trouble picking Kansas, but. Like to go far in tournaments just because I got those, Kansas in the those, final four and one those bracket. Bill Self teams just always collapse in the tournament at times. Like, I feel like they're just a, a team that just underperforms in the tournament a lot of the times. And I'm I'm always so hesitant, even when they're really good. And I'm just like, can I trust them? I don't have Auburn in a single final four in any of my brackets. I picked one of I picked them to win one. I had to. I didn't. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, it's probably the more likely situation. Uh, I, that does not mean that I'm not rooting for him. 
More of On the Line on the other side of this break. on the line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you last 30 minutes of the show. All right, I want to do some playing the lines. You ready? I'm ready. All right, have you prepared anything or you're just good to talk about the NCAA tournament because well, I've, I've it's got a great a, day? I've got a few that are just there um, that I've looked up and, you know, just I kind of like some of these games, which take this with a grain of salt. If, if you're listening to me, I like South Dakota State this morning. I like Colorado State this morning. And both of those went up in so flames. So did I. So did I. Like, I thought those were just – those looked like very rock-solid picks. I think the line for Michigan State – They both are, had leads in those games, like 10 minutes in at least. Michigan, I think I think it was Colorado State plus or minus two and a half. I can't remember which one I got that at. Um, just did not pan out. It's unfortunate. I'm going to upset some Auburn fans with this one. I like San Francisco tonight. I like the Dons. It's going to upset people because of the affinity we all have yeah, for Murray State. Yeah, for Murray State. I mean, it's a two-point line. Uh, San Francisco is catching two, playing at – or not playing at Murray State, but they're the lower seed. They're the t- it's the 7-10 game, Murray State's seventh seed. I feel like San Francisco is just a better team that people are sleeping on. I mean, you look at it. The body of work definitely is better than that of Kentucky – or not Kentucky, that of Murray State. Out of Kentucky. Yes. Out of the state of Kentucky. De- definitely a better body of work. I still just don't know if I buy that the WCC was a good conference this year. It's hard for me. It's, like, I want to – It's groupthink, Levi. I don't fall say into the trap. I want to say it's bad, but then I want to say that there are some good teams. I do like – Okay know, teams, but are they – they're NIT teams. Yes. I mean, San Francisco's a 10 seed the tournament. It doesn't mean they're great, but, I mean, I think that they're – Body of work matters. I think they're capable. I think they're very much capable of beating Murray State. And I, I, one of the things I really love seeing, 30% of people are on San Francisco. 70% Ooh. are on Murray State at that line. Oh, you just made me feel really uncomfortable. I, lo- I love those <laughs> lines. You know, I love it when I see the teams. Or I, I love seeing the underdogs or, you know, the underdogs in the public's eye. The thing I hate most about this matchup in particular is I like both of these teams. Like, these two teams could be very good Cinderella stories for a tournament. Problem is, who's their next matchup that they play after this game? Whoever the winner is, they're going to Kentucky. They're going to, you know, what is a very, un, you know, a lot of people are saying, are high on Kentucky making a Final Four this year with the way they've been playing down the stretch. Yes, they lost that game to Tennessee in the SC tournament, but they've been playing great. They're getting healthy. They're a good basketball team, and I feel bad for these two teams because I don't think either of them can beat Kentucky. And I think they both should have been 12 seeds. Yeah, I mean, that would have been nice. I, th- I, think, they got, five, I think they got seeded incorrectly. I five, think they 12, both should have been 12 seeds. Five 12s would have been good for them. They could have taken a five. I think they should have either both been 12 seeds or both been 11 seeds, but Murray State, their body of work, they, they ain't played anybody. That's the Q, problem. Cue the button that said, they ain't played nobody, Paul. That's, the, that's the problem with them. That's the problem with Murray State is they haven't played anybody. Out yeah. in, I mean, they played Auburn, but they didn't Lost beat Auburn. Lost by 13 and looked bad. Yeah, they lo- did not look good, and they've had a very nice win streak after that, but again, once very, again, who have they played? Very weak OVC. Very, yes, this very is one of the worst weak. OVCs in recent memory. I mean, Jacksonville State's not even in the OVC anymore. Like I saw yeah. the, I saw the other day when they were uh, it's Belmont and Moorhead State. And we also went Auburn did to Moorhead State, and that was a twenty-two win basketball team. And Tennessee Tech is in that division. They're a bad basketball team, or in that conference, they're a bad basketball team, and they were keeping up with Murray State at home. Could have beaten them. And I mean, I don't know. I just feel like 
I, I trust the teams that San Francisco has played more recently and how they've looked in those they games. They have seen much, much better competition than Murray Up State, whereas point. Murray State has not seen competition like San Francisco on a regular basis since circa January 1. Agreed. Yeah, they haven't seen anything since then. Uh, a game that I don't have a line to play on this, but I think the line is just interesting. Arkansas, only minus oh, four and a half. they're today. Only they are minus losing four and a half. Today. So you feel that too? You like they the are Vermont? losing today. You feeling the catamounts? catamounts? You feeling the catamounts? I am. Let's go. Yeah, I just I feel like that's a very interesting line, and I feel like it's me looking at that, seeing Arkansas minus four and a half. I my immediate reaction was, oh, the public's going to love that. Not really. Only fifty five percent on Arkansas, forty five percent on Vermont. Vermont is a trendy upset pick. I've, man. I've seen that. I'm I've feeling seen. it because I mean we've heard Arkansas has kind of become this darling of a darling of late in later of the season where I think they've cooled off a bit too. I agree. I think they've cooled off. I mean, you saw what happened to them in the tournament. They cooled off a little bit. I I don't know. I just, I know the Arkansas team is talented and they played through that. You know, the, when they beat Auburn, they had that stretch throughout the middle of the season, late middle to late into the season where they were playing their bas- best basketball. But I feel like they might've peaked a little too early. They peaked right there, and now they're kind of on the downtrend. Vermont, very, very There's sneaky. a lot to like about Arkansas. They're athletic. They play a good brand of defense. Here's what I dislike about Arkansas. They rush shots, and I know that's part of their style of play. They get up more than 60 shots a game. That's one of the top tiers in college basketball in terms of field goal attempts. They get up a lot of shots. The problem is they're not overly efficient. High-volume team, they need a high volume to be able to score a lot of points. Here's the problem. Vermont rebounds. They get defensive boards, like 80% of their defensive rebound opportunities. And just to qualify for that for you, that's like top 10 in the country. They're one of the best defensive rebounding teams in college basketball, Vermont is. And I have a feeling they're going to slow this game down by closing out possessions. If they just box out and rebound, Arkansas is going to be in a world of hurt because Vermont's going to be able to slow down the game, take the ball up the floor, get into their offense, run their stuff, and while, they, while this game may only end up finishing in the 60s, and I don't think Vermont's just going to light it up or anything like that, they're a team that they understand. Like, they know who they are. They run their stuff. And then they are going to, you know, that they know that. They know that you're more athletic, but they're going to run their stuff. They're going to make you work on defense. And I think over time, they're going to really wear down Arkansas a bit, who's going to try and play this at 100 miles per hour. And they're just going to keep hitting their heads up against this wall of the Vermont Catamounts. I'm telling you, this team's no strangers to the NCAA tournament. I love this pick. I love it. And, I mean, you think about it, a, few, a, a good comp to, you know, Vermont if, you know, I assume that nobody's out there watching a lot it's of Vermont. It's Tennessee, Virginia, you know, in the past, very slow, not great offensively, but you're going to have to work on the defensive yeah, end. Yeah, that's and, a good point. And I think it was funny because a few years ago they played Virginia in the tournament, and they almost beat Virginia. When they, they almost were... beat Florida State in the tournament a couple years ago in 2019. You want to see a comp of, like, two teams that look a lot alike going that's, to those tournaments? Florida very, State and Arkansas. Very much. The, very, very, very similar. That's a really good comp, and you can look back on that game and think, this could very well be the, you know, very well be that kind of game. I have Vermont winning in, a, I think, like, maybe one or two brackets. I like it. I like the pick. I think you can slow – I think that Vermont can slow them down. I think that they can, you know, like you were saying – Arkansas is going to be banging their head against the wall after dealing with this. Vermont tournament history, and granted, they've only ever won two tournament games all time, and they've only and their tournament history goes back to 2003. They're two and seven combined, but they've pretty much been in every single tournament game that they've played since in this last decade. Only lost to Florida State by seven. Uh, at one point, I do remember them having a lead in that game. I feel like Purdue only lost to Purdue by ten, but once again, they're a 13 seed in, in a couple of those matchups. 
Uh, in 2012, they had to play in the first four against Lamar, uh, won that game, and then got blown out by North Carolina when they were a 16-1 matchup. And then 2010, once again, they were a 16th seed and had to play Syracuse and got blown out. But you've seen the steady progression of this program to where they're no strangers to the NCAA tournament. This is their third NCAA tournament appearance since 2017. They've gotten to a point now where even though the America East is an awful conference, this team has gotten enough respect to where teams are like, to, not not teams, committees are like, this is a 13 seed, not a 16 seed anymore. When you look at their tournament history, the best that they had done, you know, was pretty much 16 and 15 seeds. They had one year where they were a 13 seed back in 05, and guess what? They upset Syracuse, and then uh, only lost by like 11 in the next game to Michigan State. So I'm just saying they've got the ability to run with some of these teams, especially the teams that have been 13 seeds. In Vermont history, those teams have really pushed the teams that they've been playing. Now it's time to see if they can get over the hump. And I think they do against Arkansas because Arkansas is not the most fundamentally sound team out there in the NCAA tournament. And they're a talented team, but they're not fundamentally They're athletic, they're, but they don't yeah. play the game always the right way. And Vermont is does. a team that does play very fundamentally. They might – it's you know it's very two opposite sides of the coin here. You have a team that's really athletic that plays a little bit you know, with a lack of fundamentals, and you have Vermont not as athletic but plays fundamentally sound. Um, another another game I was looking at, not for a pick on the game, but I really do like Kentucky's team total. It's sitting around like 77. I think it's a 77 and a half now. I like that against St. Peter's. St. Peter's Blowout. is... Yeah, well, St. Peter's is a top 35 adjusted efficiency rating in defense for Kempom, but... Who St. Peter's? What do? What uh? What what elite level of competition is St. Peter's? I bet you don't know what conference they play in. I don't. They I play don't. in the MAC. Oh, the MAC. Okay, yeah, there you go. The Metro Athletic Conf. The Metro. Yeah. The Metro. Ath- no, Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Yes. There we go. There's an A in there. And there's, an, there's an extra two A's because that's why you got meh. Yeah. I look. I don't know if Kentucky covers the astronomically large spread of. 20-something that they have against St. Peter's, but I trust that they will score over 78 points. I think they just blow that team away. Fun fact, 16 seed leading a one seed right now. Six minutes into the game, Georgia State up 11-10 to 10 on Gonzaga. That's another one I'm sick of. Oh. I'm tired. I'm, I'm sick of Gonzaga. I'm tired of being – this is the year they get over the hump. Oh, you said that last year. Oh, no, that was, this is the year. It's like Tennessee in football. It's like, this is Tennessee's year, and it's never their year. I mean, it worked for Georgia eventually. Georgia said it in football for 40 years, and eventually it finally was their year. Maybe this works for Gonzaga, but I hope they get put out today. I'm sick of Gonzaga. All right, well then, let's talk this then. Trendy upset pick that you don't like. Moving forward. That hasn't already ended. Trendy upset pick that I don't like moving forward. Mm, I got I to gotta think of some of the ones. Here's mine. There's, I've got one that's a little iffy that I, I still like a lot, but it's kind of iffy because, I've again, there's too many people on it. UAB's not beating Houston. No shot. Not happening. Houston's won- beating UAB. I'm confident in it. Houston's a sleeper for the Final Four, I think. Potentially, I think they could go to the Natty if they if they can get past Arizona in the Sweet 16. I think they could go all the way. Um, the, this this Houston team is somebody that – that is my sleeper for the tournament. I So, when I was first filling out one of my brackets, I liked UAB a lot. And I said, oh, they're playing Houston. I think they have a real good shot against Houston. And then I started thinking about it and I said – no, no they Houston, don't. Houston's used to playing teams like UAB. I was like, no. I said, this is – I started looking through it, peeling through stats, peeling through metrics, and I said, no, I don't think this is happening. No. Excellent I, I, I offensive rebounding team, Houston. Excellent defensive team, 
They force a lot of turnovers. Just outside they're, of just the run of basketball, field goal percentage and nonsense, they're going to dominate that game in every form and fashion. They're just they're a very complete basketball team, and I just think that they're going to outright be better than UAB. And I, like you said, I think they're just going to be able to dominate on every aspect of the floor in that regard. And it is tricky. It is very tricky. That line's at 8.5, by the way, for Houston. I wouldn't mind taking that. I know it seems like a lot to swallow. I'm a big points guy, but I could I could see myself hitting Houston minus eight and a half. The best right team that UAB has played this year may be South Carolina, and they lost by three. Just saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, there we go. That's I mean that's all you need to hear, right? Just saying. Do you like uh, the Loyola against Ohio State pick? That's kind of a trend. Oh man, I think Loyola could be a Sweet Sixteen team. And and I'm not trying to go overboard with that that area up there, that region itself. I I think could get a little messy before it's, it's all said and done. It's sitting at a pick'em, so it wouldn't be a true upset. It's right at a pick'em, but it did open at at Ohio State. Plus one or plus one point five, I could see that being a, a thing. I, but likewise, I could also see Ohio State in the Sweet Sixteen. I can see both those teams just like you said. That's a messy little area in that little group. I don't right think there. It's, Villanova's got probably the toughest pod of all the two seeds. And it's and it's whereas Kentucky's like we get to play Murray State or San I, and Francisco. I, and I like <laughs> I like Villanova a lot. Like I think they're a team that could make a deep run. I mean, you have the coaching and the players to do it, but then you look at their pod and you're like. That's Whoa. tough. And then if you just happen to make it to the Sweet 16, you might catch Tennessee or Michigan. Yeah. And like, it, that's easy. And if you're getting a Tennessee team that feels like making shots that day, you're in for trouble. <laughs> yes, you are, because you're not going to be feeling like making shots that day. Because if Tennessee, because that's all. that defense, man. If Tennessee's defense can carry them, Tennessee could get put out literally their next game, but also they could make a run to, you know, Elite Eight because their defense is that good. It's just, where's the offense going to come from? I am absolutely dumbfounded at what the Richmond Spiders have been able to do to the Iowa offense today. This oh, Iowa she, team's used to scoring 80 points uh, a game, and they've only got 39 points with 11:23 left, and they're down by six. 11 and 0 run Make it for three. the Richmond good, good Spiders. Good job for Iowa. Hey, well, that just got snapped. <laughs> uh, 11 and three run for the <laughs> Richmond Spiders. I, I love it. I, uh, I, everybody was saying Iowa was such a trendy pick, and then. Here you don't sleep on the Richmond dude. Gonzaga, Spiders. Georgia State, dude. Georgia State's hanging right now. It's sixteen to sixteen with under twelve to go in the first half. I would be ecstatic. I have some brackets where Gonzaga's losing to Memphis. I would be ecstatic. I don't think that's out of the question. I think if you're looking for two one seeds to lose in the round of thirty two, I do think you look at, at, at Baylor's direction for sure. And then it's a tie for me between Kansas and whoever gets out of the 8-9 matchup between San Diego State and Creighton or possibly Gonzaga getting caught by Memphis. The only ones I, I don't uh, – I feel like Arizona is very secure with their 8-9 matchup. That I, I just feel like that's a better 8-9 matchup for them. But, you know, the Baylor one where you're potentially playing North Carolina. Or Marquette. Or, let's be I say, real. Don't sleep on Marquette. But I, I'm saying North Carolina because I have North Carolina moving on, unfortunately. But I could easily <laughs> see North Carolina beat Baylor. In that game, in that 1-8 game, could be something to watch out for. Let's take a quick break here on On the Line. We'll talk more of the NCAA tournament and wrap up the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, wrapping up the Thursday edition of the show. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the program. Let's look at the scoreboard before we get out of here. All right, we've had some games go final. We have some games still going on right now. Some enticing matchups up to this point uh, as I just accidentally uh, moved off of the scoreboard page. All right, there we go. All right, so here's where we got right now. 
Colorado State lost to Michigan, 75-63. to Six seed goes down to an 11 seed there, first upset of the tournament. Providence, four seed, took down 13 seed. South Dakota State, 66-57. to Memphis beat Boise State, 64-53. to Baylor beat Norfolk State, 85-49. to Tennessee beat Longwood, 88-56. to And uh, these are games going on right now. We've got three games happening right now live. Richmond is beating Iowa with 9.48 left in the half, or the, the game entirely, 49-46. to Gonzaga and Georgia State are to about the 10-minute mark of their game. It's 18-16, to Gonzaga in front of Georgia State. And the North Carolina Marquette tipped off about 20 minutes ago, uh, or maybe a little bit less than that. That's down to 13.03 left in the first half. North Carolina is up 10-8 to on Marquette. Uh, and then coming up later tonight, some great basketball games, of course, to close out the day. You've got eight more games left to go. Five, UConn against 12, New Mexico State. Two, Kentucky against 15, St. Peter's. Five seed St. Mary's against 12, Indiana. I think that's going to be a really fun game to watch just with the way those two teams play. Eight, San Diego State against nine, Creighton. That one's going to be a rock fight. Four, Arkansas against 13, Vermont. Potential upset there. I've got Vermont in my bracket. Murray State and San Francisco in the 7-10. And then the two nightcaps, 13 Akron against four UCLA and 16 Texas Southern against one Kansas. There's some just genuinely good basketball. Like even like they're just going to be very close basketball games throughout the night. Obviously, some of them aren't going to go the way we think, but like I mean, I think tomorrow's the the more fun schedule yeah. of the two days. But uh, I don't think it was incredibly balanced. But there are some some. But you know, I think that's typically the truth because Friday's the day that maybe more people can get their eyeballs on it than yeah. a Thursday. I say I'll be working for a little bit tonight, and I'm just looking forward to when I get off. Just you know enjoying some of these good basketball games i mean indiana st mary's i think that's going to be a close game we already talked about arkansas vermont san francisco murray state i'm going to say it it might not be close i think arkansas or not arkansas i think akron pulls within that 13 and a half they're going to play that game slow against ucla i don't think they win but i think they can keep it within that 13 and, and a half has margin. a relatively decent tournament history in recent memory of them being able to maybe pull and an upset or two i feel like ucla has just been existing this year like they haven't done anything special they haven't done anything too terribly bad they're just floating and existing but you know what they say come tournament time you're gonna have to kill mick cronin to get him out of this tournament (laughs) you're the it's not they you're the only one who says that they say they say it. lots of people say it (laughs) you're the only one who. what happened last year you had to win on a gonzaga buzzer beater at the end to get him out which probably did kill him some you know just a little (laughs) bit he's probably like 95 percent alive right now Want to talk a little Auburn baseball here for a second before we get out of here. Auburn baseball starts SEC play tonight. It just kind of snuck up on us. Auburn baseball didn't quite do a non-conference play what I thought they needed to do. I would have liked to have seen them gone 15-3. and three. Of course, they had a game or two postponed because of it. Uh, could only get to 13-4 and four before they got to conference play. And they will be taking on Ole Miss, the number one team in the country, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 6 p.m. first pitch on Thursday and Friday, so that's today and tomorrow, and then 2 p.m. on Saturday. I think Auburn's got a shot if the bats come to if if the bats come to the ballpark. But the reality is, uh, the pitching staff's in a tough place with some injuries that happened this past weekend. The pitching staff, I think, has kind of been more inconsistent than the bats have certainly, and um, the, the, they just need one. They need to go and find a way to win one because A&M's a series that you could sweep. South Carolina is a series that you could have a chance to sweep. I mean, those are manageable series. Alabama, Kentucky, also manageable series. There are manageable series in this SEC schedule for Auburn, um, but it'll go LSU, Vanderbilt, and Mississippi State. 
back to back to back after that Texas A&M series. You need it's, to find a way to get one here against Ole Miss. You can't start off in the hole 0-3. You have to get one because, like you just said, I mean, A&M is a, is a series you can sweep, and honestly, you kind of need to because you just pointed out. LSU. Eventually, you're gonna hit. You're gonna get. You're gonna get swept. Yeah, it, I mean, it, you, it's just the you, truth. You look at LSU, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. That is a gauntlet right there. And then you know, you go into a few weeks, you get the South Carolina one, which is a, a series you really need to take. And then it's back to Tennessee, Arkansas. So I mean, that's that's SEC baseball for you. What uh, what do you think is what? What do you think Auburn has to do to get one this weekend? What do you think that that's actually, you know, number one thing they have to do to get one of these games this weekend? Got to hit. Absolutely have to hit, and they're going to have to. They're going to have to score a lot of runs. Now that's doable on Ole Miss. I still think the thing that's lagging behind on this Ole Miss baseball team is maybe their arms. And uh, in some games this year, we've seen those pitchers be tested. The reality is, Ole Miss is going to hit, and I don't think this pitching staff is deep enough to go three days against this Ole Miss against this Ole Miss team with the injuries that they've sustained. Um, you're going to have to also get some quality starts. You're going to have to get five, six innings out of your starters, which uh, I don't think is. I don't think is too feasible getting into later into the weekend maybe it is early I don't think it's too feasible getting into late in the weekend you just got to be around right you got to be in it late you got to be able to you know give your bats a chance to win you the game especially with the pitching staff uh is, is in short supply I'll tell you the Mississippi State series definitely seems more manageable in a couple of weeks with the fact that they're at 11 and 7 they've had a rough they've had a rough go of things but I'll tell you man SEC baseball it's a gauntlet Levi I appreciate you coming in today my man anytime anytime you know I love being here enjoy your basketball Oh, I will. I will. And everyone else out there, enjoy your basketball too.